but imagine if you had that kid in kindergarten that also had a personal development class, right? Or some element of personal development where they were learning uh, not only, you know, work ethic, but service. Or they were learning, you know, how to focus. They're learning how to get along with others. They're learning all these development skills that you don't realize you need until you get out of school, right? How to, how to get knocked down and to get back up, right? You get knocked down seven times, you get up eight. Learning those principles. What would happen to those children, that group of children, if they were getting that all the way through high school, especially where we are? Welcome to the Leadership Junkies podcast brought to you by Cartavera, the leadership development ecosystem that helps you grow your people, grow your business and grow your life. Today we have SF Banks with us and the title of the program is Gassing, yes, Gassing Children's Dreams tools, strategies, and mindsets for youth motivational development. Sean has spent over 20 years focused on developing, growing, empowering, and motivating youth to helping them to understand that they are not only worthy of dreams, but they should showing them ways to live their dreams. He's the creator of something called Camp Warrior King, a you can have it all youth conferences, the you can have it all youth motivational development magazine. And he's here today to talk about what it takes to motivate, inspire, and empower youth. He's gonna talk about the critical role of character development in that, how vital it is to have experiential learning experiences, including shared experiences of serving others. He's gonna talk about how vital it is to focus on character as a foundation for living the life of our dreams. No surprise here, everything that SF talks about today is just as vital for adults who wanna step up in their leadership and live their dreams. Welcome to the Leadership Junkies podcast, where we explore leadership, business, and personal growth to help you grow your business and live a richer life. We're your hosts, Jeff Dishwitz and Craig Matthews. We believe that leaders have to put their people first. And if you don't have time to grow your people, then you're not leading. Get ready for conversations that will challenge your thinking and help you transform your leadership and your business. Welcome to your bigger business and bigger life. We are so excited to be back here today, coming to us from Atlanta, Georgia. We have SF Banks with us, and he has been involved in youth development for over 20 years. He's described as captivating, humorous, and a passionate communicator. And he is so passionate about motivating and developing youth to go after their dreams. He also helps educate families on different ways to support their youth and give them an edge in life. In 2007, he opened something called the I Am Defense Institute, which is against profound disinterest in working with children. Since Mm -hmm. then, he has developed so many things. He's the creator of something called Camp Warrior King, which helps thousands of youth gain exposure to fun activities. He has created You Can Have It All Youth Conferences. You Can Have It All Youth Motivational Development Magazine. He's got something he's created called the Team Hot Sauce. and we'll hear more about that. But he's written three books on personal development. And his one of his big passions is something called the You Can Have It All Orphanage in Bombo, Uganda, oh, where wow. he currently supports over 30 children with shelter, food, and school supplies. So bottom line is we've got a guy here today who is not only cares about making a difference, he's making a difference in developing young people, uh, getting them early and showing them a different way. So welcome, SF. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Jeff. I appreciate it. 
Yeah, it's so good to have you here. I, I am a I am passionate also about youth and have been involved with them for a while. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation. All right. Yeah. Thank you, Craig. So SF, give everybody a little bit of the backstory that gets us here today. Well, what what gets us here today is everything started. Well, the seed was planted when I was about 16, 17 years old. Uh, my aunt and cousin were murdered in a domestic violence situation. And at that point in my life, you know, it just kind of rocked our family. Uh, but I said, you know, I wanted to do something about it. I couldn't, you know, do something about them being gone, but I could always do something in their honor. And so it was 10 years from that time until we started the I Am Defense program. And that started, I was serving at my church, actually, and they would always put me where the kids were. And I couldn't stand working with kids, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, I had booger fingers, man, snotty noses. I, I didn't want to be around them <laughs> at all. Uh, but they would always put me over there. And so the you know short part of the story is that eventually I started gaining some understanding and opened up the I Am Defense Institute. And it was there that I remembered that dream of being able to do something for my aunt and cousin and, you know, started going in that direction. And that's where we that's how we got here. <laughs> nice. Well, let's, let's talk about, let's go back a little bit. That's a little bit of what motivated you or inspired you. Mm -hmm. What's sort of the foundation of what's driving you now and the work you're doing? Uh, the passion for it. There's such a great need mm. uh, for youth motivational development. So what I do is pretty much motivate youth to go after their dreams. And, you know, I had taken it for granted. I thought that there were enough programs doing it. And it wasn't until I got involved that I realized that even though there are a lot, there are people that care, there's still such a great need uh, for children. And with the exposure to social media and just, you know, all kinds of things on television, children need to be motivated and to build their self-efficacy at a much younger age if they're going to be, you know, productive in the future. Man, it's, I think it makes so much sense to put that foundation in place. I mean, when we're talking about the youth and children and being able to give them self-confidence and the ability to solve problems and and just stand up for themselves early on that makes such a huge difference for the rest of their lives so sf i'm curious i don't know a lot about the work you're, i mean i know about it but at a deeper level the kids you're working with um are they typically coming from environments where they're facing different challenges than a lot of other kids uh, well, you know, uh, Jeff, originally I thought that that was going to be the case. And what I found is that, um, so I get a big hodgepodge, a melting pot of kids, right? So we get kids that are um, high risk uh, inner city kids. And then we get kids starting, you know, kids that are, um, we'll just say middle income, higher income. And what we found is that they all have some baggage, uh, mm -hmm. regardless of where their background is. They all have something that they're dealing with. For example, uh, you might have a lot of kids in high risk communities where, you know, might be single mom that's not able to be at home and really give them the development. But then you have kids whose parents are making tons of money and it's a single mom, right? Because dad might be there, but he's always out of town traveling or mom's always out of town. They're dealing with a nanny. And so what I found is that all the kids are kind of dealing with, you know, their own individual issues. Well, one of the things that I've struggled with SF, when I see the messages communicated to kids and you're in the work, I mean, I'm around the edges of it and just observing And so often it seems like there's this simplistic message of if you work hard, you can overcome anything right. and that's it. And it's sort of like next. And I think, well, that's a piece, 
but I'm sure you're, you're working at more layers than that. So talk about, Absolutely. let me do this way. Talk about that message, that singular message. How's that work or not? And talk about the layers of what it takes to get the kids the tools they need. Uh, the best way to describe that message is, uh, you know, kind of like the Burger King commercial back in the day. You know, we do it how you do it, right? You can have it how you want it. But the it's a very simple message and there's truth to it. But there's a big, big gap in between there, right? That, you know, you can have whatever you want as long as you work hard for it. Yes, there's a whole lot of steps that come in between getting what you want and, you know, and just the desire. So I feel that in a lot of ways, especially with children now, you can say you can have whatever you want as long as you work hard for it. The question they're going to ask you is how, right? And so because they're inquisitive, they're, I mean, they have access to internet, they have access to things, so they want answers. And so what we do is we get in between that gap and start to show them exactly how they can do those things. For example, you know, improving their work ethic, improving their confidence, um, their their service skills, right? Service to people, service to others, um, you know, being humble, but not too humble, right? You have to have some sense of confidence and, and belief in yourself, uh, you know, being able to get along with others, being in a proper environment, all those different aspects that come in between. It really sounds like a lot of character development, more so than than skills, per se. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's, uh, you know, you have both, uh, but the the character development is really where I'm really passionate about because, yeah, you know, a skill, you can learn a skill, mm -hmm. right? The challenge that we're seeing is that so many kids don't have the character development yeah. at, a, at the right age. I mean, you, if you're 40 years old and you're just understanding work ethic, you know, <laughs> you're, you're behind. <laughs> Agreed. Wow, that's so good. And what are you finding are some of the, the key things when somebody's coming into your program? Do you find that kids gravitate towards certain areas where they're maybe off on the character side or um, what do you mostly work with them on? Or do you have a process that you're going through every step of the way? Uh, well, I try to meet children at a level, right? So meet all the kids at a level wherever they are mm -hmm. uh, in their life. I believe that. Uh, every program for a child is unique. There's no cookie cutter kind of program, right? So for example, I may need improvement in self-confidence, whereas Craig may need improvement in self in, in focus. You know, Jeff may need to just, you know, be nicer, for example. And so those programs are all different. And so we try to meet them at their level and then grow from there. And so that takes time. Yeah. It takes a lot of time and a lot of patience. Hmm. Well, tell everybody, I, I skipped a step here. I think SF. Sure. You've created a lot of things. Yes. I don't want to talk about each of them, but I'm guessing you have lots of different ways that you work with the kids. If you've got camps, you've got conferences, and it sounds like when you say time, is there other layers? Is there groups and one-on-one? -on -one? I mean, what is the, the nature of the services you're offering to these kids? Uh, so we anything that they're interested in, right? So we throughout the year, we'll do small group activities, like we'll do hunt and learns in Atlanta. So we'll, you know, get the kids, I'll get with their parents. We'll go out to, for example, we use Charlie Elliott Wildlife Center uh, and we'll go out there and the kids will learn how to hunt. Right. And so the cool thing about teaching children how to hunt is, especially if they're inner city kids, that they get out in the wild. Right. Mm -hmm. They're out of their element. They get to see some trees and grass and bugs and all that kind of stuff and have a memorable experience. Uh, but then they also learn conservation. Right. While it's important mm -hmm. not to litter. Right. Why, if, you know, you need to hunt to live, but you just don't want to just start shooting animals just because of it. And so we'll do things like that. We'll do uh, 
parties, like mini parties for the kids. We'll get them all together and we'll do a personal development workshop for them for one day just to get them kind of, you know, dreaming and building and and, and uh, getting some, some self-confidence. We'll do spring camps, fall camps. Then you have the summer camp and then we have the magazine. So we try to hit them on, you know, as many levels as we can to keep them motivated and keep them going. Gotcha. Now, are, I'm assuming that parents are paying for this or is it um, more of a charity-based program? Uh, the parents pay for it. Okay. Uh, and the reason and the reason why is, uh, you know, I believe that people need skin in the game. You know, mm-hmm. I will see kids with, you know, three hundred dollar pairs of sneakers. I was at a sneaker conference the other mm-hmm. day and I was surprised at the amount of kids that were there and, and, and how expensive the sneakers are. So, you know, if you can pay for three, four hundred dollar pair of sneakers, you can pay for a hundred dollar hoodie. You know, yeah. you can pay for development for your child. And because when we give it to them, what I find is that when we give it to them, then they, you know, they kind of shy away from it. You know, it's like it stinks. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm curious about something you said, SF. Um, you're talking about dreams and helping yeah. kids embrace their dreams. How much of the work is showing the kids that basically they're worthy of dreams? Hmm. Um, great part of it is, is that they're, is teaching them that they're worthy of dreams, uh, that they're worthy for whatever it is that they want, that they deserve it. Uh, and that even though they're worthy of it and that they deserve it, you know, they got to roll up their sleeves and put in some sweat equity to get it. Uh, nobody's going to give it to them. They're not entitled to have anything out here, but they deserve it. And so the simple fact that they deserve it means that it's there for you if you want it, but you got to believe you deserve it. And you got to go out and make it happen. Wow. So related to that, how much of the time do you feel like you're overcoming a message that they got kids got from either society, maybe even their parents, that dreams aren't real? It, you know, be realistic. Don't think about dreams. Just figure out how to get by. Every day, every day we're overcoming that because they're when they go back home, then they're back in whatever environment that they've come from. And so, again, that's whether they're, you know, rich or poor or wherever they are on that spectrum. And, you know, they go home and they might have an alcoholic parent that tells them that they're nothing, even though they have, you know, they're riding around in a Mercedes Benz and go to private school. And so every single day we're sending that message. And the reason why is because they need it every day, just like adults need yeah. it every day. You know, we wake up and everybody battles with the low self-confidence, right? Everybody's battling with that. Can I do it? Is it possible for me? And so it's the same thing that we have to do with these children. And so the more they get it every day, the more you see their performance change uh, in school and you know, activities. So how do you connect with them on a daily basis? Uh, through the magazine. Uh, the magazine okay. is, yeah, the magazine is what allows us to connect with them on a daily basis uh, or, or, or more often, if you will. Uh, you know, and of course, you know, social media, uh, is how we're able to connect with the parents and be able to teach the parents certain skills to be able to go home and teach their kids. Okay. So how much of the work to that point SF is shifting the parents mindset too, because if I'm, if I'm a kid and I get this inspiration that says, Hey, I can pursue my dreams, but every night I go home and I'm told otherwise the road is more difficult now because I'm getting conflicting messages. Absolutely. Uh, you're absolutely right about that, Jeff. And the it goes hand in hand. And what we find is that a lot of times the parents, you know, it's harder to, to to crack that shell with the parents, right? Because, you know, we have a lot of traditionalism, right? Well, I grew up this way. It helped me <laughs> out. I'm fine. Right. You have that stuff. Uh, and so, but it is, you know, a double-edged sword, if you will, where you have to get the parents and you have to get the kids. Um, because if not, then that is what happens. They go home and they hear this different story. The hope is that the seed is planted in the child 
and that you keep planting that seed and it'll continue to sprout up. You know, if they're here, they know the difference between somebody speaking to them negatively and somebody speaking positive to, positively or life into them. And so the hope is that by constantly speaking into that life, that that will prevail and that when they're in certain situations, they'll make, you know, the proper decisions about themselves. Gotcha. So how much sorry. of this, I'm sorry, go ahead, Jeff. I just want to wrap up or close this question. So how do you deal with the situation, which I'm sure happens, you're communicating this empowering, go for your dreams message. And the <laughs> child looks at you in the eye and says, you know what, that's not what my parents said. They right. told me something different. So now you're in the play. You're really in between. And they're saying, who do I believe? Hmm. Right. And what I say to them is, what do you think? <laughs> what do you what do you think about yourself? Do you do you think that you can do anything you set your mind to? Because at the end of the day, you know, your parents are going to say what they're going to say. We don't want you to disrespect your parents. But at the end of the day, what do you believe? Do you believe that you can have whatever you want in life? And if you believe it, then that's the most important thing. And that's the way we get around it without saying, you know, your parents are dumb. Uh, they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> that's, good. that's so good. My wife and I just watched King Richard the other day. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, such a good movie. Um, you know, all about raising Venus and, and Serena Williams and how his, his dedication was, you know, he had the plan set out from the beginning and just, follow through with that plan. And the rest of his sister, you know, rest of their sisters were, you know, valedictorians and this, that, and the other. So it's just that intention is so, so important. How many of the parents do you connect with that actually have some sense of plan for their children? A lot, uh, a lot, because the, I talk typically to the parents so mm -hmm. we're talking about like throughout the year, we're sending messages to the parents all the time. And I called the parents. I was talked to a parent yesterday. We spend a lot of time talking to the parents, building that relationship with them because the parents are the key. Uh, if we want a, a child to have the edge in life, right, which we all want for our children, we want them to be competitive. Then there's things the parents have to do at home, right? You have to make those certain changes to be able to, you know, get your child to the level you want them to be on. So it's it's a constant thing. Uh, talking to the parents and building those relationships with them. Gotcha. And SF, what is the geographic reach? I mean, your magazine and social media can be international. Right. And we'll talk a little bit later about um, your mission in Africa, in Uganda, but mm -hmm. like, are you running these camps in certain geographic areas? Yeah. And so update us on that. Right. So, so camp warrior King is in Atlanta, uh, primarily Southwest Atlanta. So mm -hmm. the best way to describe it is near the airport, maybe 10 or 15 minutes uh, from the airport. Okay. And so we tend to get, you know, it's pretty much more of a melting pot now than when it was maybe 10 to 15 years ago. Uh, mm -hmm. So we get a lot of people from Delta and from the different airlines that, you know, work there or, you know, engineers and need to bring their kids somewhere for camp. Uh, and we get a lot of kids that come from out of state because they're coming for the summertime now because um, Atlanta's changed a lot, right, with the movie industry and all of that. So. You get tons of kids that are coming from New York or Chicago or California to come for the summer. Uh, and so since we've been around for, for a while, you know, then they bring their kids to us. And to your, your point, Craig, you had asked a question about the parents and the involvement. One of the things we do with our camp is we're big on parent involvement. So we'll invite the parents on field trips, right, to come and go spelunking with us or do something like that to be able to build that relationship, not only with our staff, but with their kids, because a lot of them don't get the time to do it. 
So it's like, hey, look, have you ever been fishing with your kid? No. Okay. Hey, this is a great time to do it. We're going fishing out at this lake, you know, bring your rod and come have a good time. And that's one of the ways we kind of build those relationships. Awesome. Well, and one of the reasons I asked about the geography SF is certainly for our listeners, but also I was thinking a few years ago, I visited Charlotte on a kind of a business trip learning about Charlotte and someone there was sharing that Charlotte had been voted out of the top 50 largest cities in the U.S. They were number 50 in economic mobility. Wow. Um, and they were saying that really got their attention and they started doing something about it. It was really cool. And so that's why I wondered where are these, where are you running these camps and have, is there some consideration of expanding them to other markets? Sure. Or like, I don't know if it's franchising them or whatever, but just take them and take them where the needs are. Definitely. Uh, it definitely is the, to be able to do it because we have a model that works uh, and the way that we do it works is being able to set up the infrastructure where my, my number one priority is the safety of the children. And so what tends to take time is getting that team, those people that care about kids enough to make sure that they're safe, right? Because there's no margin for error when you talk about dealing with kids. Yeah. So, you know, if we say, okay, well, we took a hundred kids on a field trip and 80 of them came back. Well, that's a B, <laughs> cool. <laughs> this would be in school, but it's a whole lot of problems in real life, right? So, uh, you know, building that structure uh, is something that takes time. But I think that wherever the need is, uh, even if we didn't, um, franchise that we can at least teach people how to create one uh, and be able to make an impact where they are. That's fantastic. So, so let's talk about something that, in my opinion, adults don't talk about enough. And it was emphasized in your profile. Mm -hmm. And that is fun. Yeah. You talked about fun activities to so talk about the importance of fun in development. Notice I didn't say youth development. Yeah, in development. Yeah, hey, man, <laughs> check it, check it. Fun is one of the rules that we have in our camp, right? So the four rules, well, number one is respect, number two is discipline, number three is encourage each other, and number four is to have fun. It is a rule. You must have fun. Because <laughs> the thing is, is that, you know, hurt people hurt people. Happy people are happy to other people. They're, they're you know, they're congenial, yes. they're loving. And so fun is what keeps your blood pressure lower, right? It's what helps you sleep better at night. It makes life more enjoyable, right? Yeah. To go by and just smell the roses. That's because fun, we don't have so much time. And if you're spending most of your time not having fun, you know, work is, is miserable. You never laugh. You know, it just makes for a dull life. And then that pours out on everybody else around you. Fun is one of the, probably one of the most important things you can do. If you didn't have much, but you woke up every day and you had a ball, you would be a happy person. Yeah. I love it, SF. Yeah, yeah. man. That's, that's yeah. my philosophy. Yeah, I'm telling you. Wow. So, so there's another element that you've highlighted in your share, SF, and that is development and, and helping these youth learn and develop through the service experience they have. I've really not heard that before. Can you talk more about that role in developing character? Well, one of the greatest things that we can do is be of service to other people. Right. right. And what you find is that when you're serving someone else, number one, you know, you feel better, yeah. right? Because you're helping someone else, right? It's one of the ways to, to be happy is to help other people. You learn so much through helping other people. I was in the uh, hospitality industry. I mean, I used to be a waiter 
And when I was a waiter, when I was you know, 20, 21 years old, sometimes I couldn't stand it, but I learned so much about servicing other people when the importance of customer service and giving to other people and seeing that smile that I took that into my business. When, when you're serving others, you are creating value in yourself, right? You, man, this is somebody I'd like to have around. They don't mind giving, right? And when you're giving, you always have, right? It's just, it's just a rule of life. It's a law. You can never give and, and it not come back to you in some kind of way. It may not come back the same way you sent it out, but it always comes back. Right. I, I've never lacked from, from giving, uh, ever. I think that's so important. I, I know in the work that I've done with youth, we've, we've done different service projects and things. It, what I've found about service is it's so good at building relationships amongst the people who are serving as well. Yep. And you can also assess, you know, what's, what's going on with the character of the people that you're working with as you're going through there too. Right. So it's, it's such a good thing to do. Do you have specific types of activities that they can choose from, or is it um, they have, you know, one core service uh, opportunity that they deal with? Uh, we, we do all kinds of things. So for example, the older kids at our camp, we service kids up to 15 at camp. Okay. And so one of the things that's real important during the summertime is preventing what's called summer slide or summer sliding. And what that is, is just pretty much the kids forgetting everything they learned from school between <laughs> the summer and the fall. Yeah. And so the kids are required to read every single day. We have tutors on campus. We have math tutors on campus. And a lot of the kids, you know, the first and second graders, if they're not able to read or our preschool kids, we get the middle school kids and you say, hey, look, you know what you're going to do that? You're going to go and you're going to read to these kids. You're going to help them learn how to read. And what it does is it makes them feel good because they're helping the other kids read. They're right. able to get practice themselves because they're reading aloud. Right. Because mm -hmm. to, uh, you know, when you teach, you learn twice. Right? right. And and so that's one way we do it. Uh, another thing that we do is we make lunches for children that are in, you know, during the summertime, you have a lot of kids that don't get lunch. Right. They come right. to school for for lunch. And so we have students, we have a program that comes and picks up, you know, 100, 200 lunches uh, a week. And we have mm -hmm. kids that pack up those lunches and make those sandwiches and pack everything up and then, you know, get it over, you know, get it to the people and service the kids. Uh, we have kids that clean at campus a lot. My whole thing is, is that this is your home or even if you I don't know how you treat your home, but this is how you're going to treat this campus. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to keep it clean. I don't want to see trash anywhere. And so that's another thing that we do. A lot of the kids will donate their clothes and their shoes to the children that we have in the orphanage, wow. um, which is a really big deal because we talk to them about, you know, pretty much that they're even in, you know, some of the situations they're in financially at home, they're still in the upper one or two percent in this world. Right. And that there are kids that don't have water, that are homeless on the street, yeah. that don't have shoes. And I'll show them the pictures. You know, hey, look, do you see this kid right here? This kid is seven years old. This kid is sleeping under a cardboard box. Right. OK. And you have 10 pairs of shoes at home. Right. So don't feel bad at giving away these shoes to someone else. And they do it. They come in with all kinds of shoes and clothes and stuff. And so those are some of the things. that. We do. Wow. Wow. I, I love that. And I, you know, a lot of, I hear a lot of leaders talk about what I consider great, strong leaders talk about having a servant's heart. And it sounds like that's what you're doing with these youth. You're yeah. showing them, not only telling them that you ought to have a servant's heart, but letting them experience what it feels like to serve. Cause it feels right. good. I mean, right. no one's, most people have never felt crappy serving <laughs> others. <laughs> right. Huh. Right. Um, I want to go back to your first foundation. Unless they're you talked about respect. 
Yeah. All right. And I'd like you to talk about what that means within your the work you do, because everybody's got a different definition. Okay. And how do you teach that? Uh, so respect for us means to treat other people how you want to be treated is the, the way that we teach it at camp. Respect. They repeat the word. What does respect mean? Treat other people how you want to be treated. So I'll say to them, do you want somebody to walk up and kick you? You know, do you want somebody to steal your stuff? Do you want somebody to talk about you bad? No, you don't. Okay, well, treat other people exactly how you would like for someone to treat you. Um, the challenge is that some of the kids don't know how they want to be treated. Or some, <laughs> of, <laughs> you know, or some have been treated so crappy that they think that it's okay, right? So then you have those wow. situations, right? That it's okay to hit somebody <laughs> if they say something you don't like. Because that's what happens at home or that's what happens at school. And so by doing that, then we're able to correct based on the incidences that happen. You know, well, why did you do that? Oh, man, they said something. They said my clothes look funny or that, you know, they said I'm stupid. And it's like, well, well, are you stupid? And then they think about it for a minute. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I'm not stupid. Okay, well, then don't let that bother you. And what it does is it opens up for all these teaching moments. But respect is treat other people how you want to be treated. And that's how we do it at Hmm. So good. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. I've been a Beta Gamma Sigma member for the last 20 years. If you're looking to hire, the right candidate is closer than you think. Beta Gamma Sigma is the International Business Honor Society, exclusively for students at the top of their class in the top 5% of business schools in the world. BGS members are academic achievers, skilled leaders, and experienced problem solvers, and their skills and experience extend beyond the classroom. They hold chapter leadership positions, attend global business summits, complete ethics trainings, and engage in world-class internships with top corporations. When you hire a Beta Gamma Sigma member, you are truly hiring the best in business. For more information, email bgshonors at betagammasigma.org to learn more about how to hire BGS members. Welcome back. Well, I love that because, you know, I feel like I heard that word and that concept a lot growing up and I'm an old guy now, but I don't hear it a lot. And in fact, it's a phrase that I use often in conversations where I hear people do or say something that I think is inappropriate rather than saying it's inappropriate or you shouldn't say that I'll use the word respect. And it's interesting how it changes the conversation because it's not about what I believe or you believe. They'll say, what's your problem with us? It's not respectful. And yeah. it's hard for anybody to argue that it is. Right. Right. Because <laughs> I found that that's a conversation that you don't have a lot of room to play with. You can't say it is. You can say you think it's funny. Right. But that, okay, you think it's funny, but I don't think it's respectful. And I love that you're having that as a core. Because I think if we could get respect at the oh, core yeah. of our relationships, it would change so much. Just simple respect. Absolutely. And and I'll give you an example of that at camp. You know, we have kids that come from all walks of life, right? And so, you know, what we're teaching kids, for example, is, you know, we had had a a young man that came to camp and he, we weren't sure if he identified himself as a young man or not. He had makeup on, he had this whole, right? And we said, okay, well, you're not going to laugh at him. You're not going to talk about him because regardless of, would you want somebody to laugh at you or talk about you based on how you felt, right? Or how you were living, right? You don't have to agree, but you have to respect them, 
Right. And so what happens when we do that is that you see, you know, this young man with football player looking kids, right? These jocks. And they're like the best of buddies laughing and talking and going around because they're <laughs> kids. And so what they care about is having fun. They don't realize how funny the kid is. Right. He's funny. He's making them laugh and they're making him laugh and everybody's having a good time. And it's all around that core respect that, hey, look, we just got to respect each other regardless of what you think. That's so good. I'm just, as you said that, that example, SF, it made me think about a show I watched um, this past, just in the last few months, it's on Netflix or one of those. I think it was like an Amazon movie. It's called Everybody's Talking About Jamie. Mm. Have you heard of it? I have not. Um, it, it, it's, it's in Britain. It's an English show and it's based upon, it's based on a true story, a young man who, um, and I want to see if I can get the terms right. Dressed in makeup, wanted to wear dresses. Um, he ultimately became a um, God. What's the performer? Um, people dresses. Drag queen. Oh, a drag queen. He became okay. a drag queen. Gotcha. But it's really an interesting show about parental support, which uh-huh. he did have by yes. one parent, mm-hmm. not the other. But how people eventually just started just showing this respect. It's a fabulous film and it is based on a true story, um, but it sees a lot of the messages you're talking about. Now you're, that's an, I would say an overt example because you go, okay, this is someone's clearly dressing different versus so many subtleties in kids, right? Because we know today, and I guess I'm going to transition to this question. Bullying today is a huge topic with youth and it's not what it used to look like. When right. I was a kid. Right. So talk about the conversations you have about bullying within all the work that you do. Um, number one, we tell kids the first day at camp that we don't tolerate it. One, um, the, that's where the respect and the discipline comes in. I'm real big on that because you have kids, they, they do it. They do it throughout the day. It's not something that you're going to ever completely remedy and get rid of because kids are kids, right? They are, you know, they can be mean, they can be rude, they can be all these things, but they're at the same time learning how to get along with other people. They're learning how to express something they don't like. They're learning how to do that. And you have some kids that just have poor self-esteem. They have issues going on at home. So you have this whole melting pot of issues. So you're never going to be able to completely remedy the bullying. But the way that we deal with it is that we you know, we attack it immediately. If there's a situation where there's a kid that says, I feel like this person is mistreating me, then we'll start to have that conversation. We'll pull them aside. Hey, you know, what's going on? Let's talk about it. And making sure that it's a legitimate complaint from the kid. Okay. So are they really bullying you? Or, you know, man, if you just can't play basketball, if you just can't shoot that shot, man, you just can't shoot that shot. You need to get better. You know, it's not that they're mistreating you right? They're not supposed to just let you win because you want to win, right? Is it legitimately that they're mistreating you or are you being a crybaby about it and do you need to get better? And so, but you can only have that conversation, you know, on that grassroots level when you have the kids together. Uh, but what we do is we attack it any, uh, with with the bullying. I mean, we just face it head on and talk with the kids and, and try to deal with it. Do you help to explain what bullying is and what you see as bullying so that you can say, okay, this is this is an example or do they, are, are they supposed to know what that is? 
Well, the thing about bullying is that it's relative to the person being bullied, right? So, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, we were, what was, what was bullying when we were growing up as kids would probably be assault now, <laughs> what the kids are dealing with. I mean, yeah. you know, a, a lot of right. what you hear. So it's just kind of relative. Um, so what I allow the kids to do is just to pretty much, what is the complaint? What is the issue? They're bullying me. Okay, what did they do? Well, they talked about me, you know, 10 times. They did this, this, or that 10 times. I could say, well, that's not bullying. And they're going to say, well, that's not bullying to you. It still hurt my feelings, right? So, oh, okay, they hurt your feelings, right? Okay, now let's talk about that. So I'm more concerned about the action than I am the, the word. Because yeah. bullying to one kid, you know, is not bullying to another kid. Yeah, good point. And I guess you're dealing with hormones too. Yeah. yeah you're dealing with hormones man you're dealing with hormones you're dealing with i mean all kind of stuff man and and every year you know it's changing right kids are evolving uh and just because of you know the such a great outside influence that we have with social media with tv uh with kids at school that children are evolving so children are having conversations at third in the third and fourth grade that we probably didn't have until middle school or almost high school. That's for sure. Okay. Yeah. So the way that you're having to be equipped with these kids, I mean, you have to know what's going on. You got to be aware of what's happening. I mean, they, they talk about certain words. I'm like, well, what is that? And they have to explain it because <laughs> they're evolving fast. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I, I, I want to, I mean, this is a topic of our time and it's particularly timely as we're recording this, this is early December. Um, just last week, we had yet another school shooting, um, and that highlighted what you're talking about, these different conversations. My girlfriend, has a, her son is 10, and they're, teaching, they're talking at school about this, like what to do, which horrifies. I mean, she, she knows it's important, but it makes her so sad they're doing that. But in the classroom, her son asked the teacher this question, which broke my girlfriend's heart. He said to the teacher, what do we do if you get shot? Oh, wow. And mm. the teacher's response was horrible, frankly. Mm. The teacher said, that's a silly question. Mm. But that's what this 10-year-old boy is, because that's very real. I mean, that you want to teach them to be safe, that's a scenario that could happen. So how much of this is somewhere in your work, even whether it's directly or indirectly, and, or how does it inform your work? the realities of violence with kids today? Uh, it is, well, it, it's, it's in our work because it's in our society, right? So you have to be prepared for it and you have to have those sort of conversations. So for example, we have, you know, we go through intruder drills at, at camp, right? Which we hate to do. It's kind of scary for the kids and it's scary for the staff, but you know, every year we go through that drill. Hey, this is what you do if there is an intruder on campus and you guys have to, you know, this is what you do and you need to know what to do. You know, you close the door, you know, if you if the teacher needs to barricade the door, you got to barricade the door. The kids move or get up under their desk so that they're protected so that if they look in the window, they don't see any kids. And it's just, it. I hate to say it is what it is, but in, in the, where we are right now, it's better to be prepared and have a plan of action if possible so that you can save a life as opposed to not being prepared. I believe it's the prudent thing to do 
to have some sort of plan. Uh, you know, you also have to have security on campus and different things like that to make sure that the children are safe. And it's just the times that we're in. I wish we weren't in them, but, you know, that's where we are. You talk, keep talking about campus. What does your campus look like? Uh, well, it's looked like different things over the years. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we we started at a church is where we started. And then we, you know, been at several churches. And in this past year, we were on a, a old college campus uh, that we were uh, hoping to be able to buy. So we'll see how that goes and what, what's going on with that. Uh, but it and it gave us a lot of space yeah. so that, for the kids to be able to roam and play. I mean, we first started camp. The kids had to walk two or three blocks and then we went to another camp. They had to walk like um, half a mile to get to the park because it was a church campus, but it was just a parking lot. There weren't, weren't any playgrounds. Right. So this past year, we had this beautiful campus that was totally fenced in. Um, it, it left, it, it was, and it needs a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> needs a lot of work, but we had this huge space where the kids could roam and play. And so, you know, and so that's what I mean by, by, by campus. Okay. So SF, I want to talk to you about this. You know, the saying, it takes a village to raise a child. Yes. And the village I think has changed a little bit, but it's still an applicable concept. You have the, you have the parents, whatever that looks like. And some kids have different parental situations. You have the extended family. You have the friends and family. You have school, the education system. You have programs like this. You have the church and you may have community programs. There's a lot of things. Right. You're one of those elements of the village. Right. To me, <laughs> it'd be great if they all worked more consistently together. Right. And my question is, what are your thoughts on the education system today? How is it developing our youth versus, I believe, often just educating them? Right. Uh, well, I believe that the education system, well, it, it's a lot going on with the education system. One, there's huge disparities, right, in the education where you have uh, some groups of kids that are getting excellent education, other groups of kids that are not. Uh, and, and there's reasons for all of that. Uh, you have an education system where the teachers are, in my opinion, are not paid enough. Um, I believe that teachers should be some of the highest paid people in the country because they are responsible for the development of the next generation, especially in our country. Um, you know, the United States of America is, is, a, is a shining light amongst the world because uh, we have always um, made an effort to get better. I'll put it that way. And, you know, when we're talking about making the kids prepared and ready for the future and to be competitive on a global scale, you can't do that without teachers. And the teachers need to be able to sustain and take care of themselves. I need my teacher at home sleep, not running Uber Eats or take, having a second <laughs> job. <laughs> so, you know, to be able to pay our bills. Um, also, with education, they are having to develop the kids more than just teach them how to read and write. Right. So, you know, you have teachers that have to keep toothbrushes and deodorant and pads and all that stuff in their drawer because the kids are coming home without it. You got teachers that have to keep food in their drawer because the kids are coming hungry. You know, they're having to talk to their kids about, you know, uh, I mean, all kinds of issues going on in the school. So I believe that the, the educational system is, is really having a, having to shift the way that they teach because, you know, yeah, they can teach a kid how to read and write, but if I can't teach them how to think or yeah. have some confidence or some yeah. conflict resolution, then I just have an intelligent fool. 
Yeah. My wife is a teacher and it, it really, there's so many times that she's talking with a student and it comes into, they have issues at home that are that's causing, you know, ripple effects into their work. And, you know, so she's involved in that as a counselor many times, and she will refer it out to a counselor as necessary. But oftentimes those kids are, are in such need and they just need somebody to talk to. Yep. Fortunately, my wife is a good listener. So. <laughs> well, and I think to your point, SF, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's obstacles. There's obstacles of yeah. uh, money, um, the way the system is structured. You're right. I mean, the, the expectation is teachers are not making the most money, you know, they're in, they're underpaid. And it just, you said something at the beginning is developing our children. And I don't know that that is the mission of education in this country. Right. Um, I think it's educating and we can argue whether that's working or not, but I would, I mean, I don't know the answer, but I would love to see a mindset shift that said, we're going to, schools are going to be part of developing our children. And part of that is education. And that's because, changes transforms the village right so that yeah. everybody's focused on developing the children yeah that's well, a good point yeah i mean it's a really good point i mean and if you think about it from this perspective where a child goes from you know let's just say kindergarten right they start pre-k but let's just say kindergarten and they go all the way through high school and they're learning you know for the most part the same um pillars we'll call them right so reading writing social studies math science right and which is great uh, but imagine if you had that kid in kindergarten that also had a personal development class, mm-hmm. right? Or some element of personal development where they right. were learning uh, not only, you know, work ethic, but service, or yeah. they were learning, you know, how to focus. They're learning how to get along with others. They're learning all these development skills that you don't realize you need until you get out of school, right? How to, how to get knocked down and to get back up, right? You get knocked down seven times, you get up eight, learning those principles, what would happen to those children, that group of children, if they were getting that all the way through high school, especially where we are, how would that change their mind when they get to college and they get to that level? What level of thinking would they have if they understood some of those concepts, if they understood like a not yet concept as opposed to a failure concept, right? Mm -hmm. When you didn't pass this grade, you got an F, you don't get there as opposed to, you know, not yet, you're on your way there, keep going, you know, keep persevering, keep trying. I, I wonder what would happen. Well, a good example of that SF is a, a school here in Raleigh, North Carolina, called A.B. Combs Elementary. Mm. And we moved our kids there because it's a leadership magnet school. They mm. had uh, Stephen Covey wrote about it in his Eighth Habit book. And mm. so there's a whole chapter on A.B. Combs Elementary. And they incorporate the seven habits into the curriculum on a daily basis. Wow. So the kids are learning about these different concepts. They have leadership opportunities and, and things like that. So really, it's a it's a really interesting way of looking at how the public school system can incorporate some some additional levels of development. Right. Right. I mean, and and they have to. I mean, because the because the world's changing. Yeah. Right. The world's changing. So they have to be prepared for. I think that's why that's a great cool school. Yeah. Yeah. And my kids now that they're adults, you know, they are they're both service minded very much. So awesome. Awesome. My oldest son is a pastor and the other one's uh, just about to graduate. So I oh, love it. Hmm. So SF, I, um, as we're getting closer time here, a couple other questions. I'm really curious, Camp, um, Camp Warrior King, where did that name come from? There's got to be some meaning behind that. 
Yeah. So, uh, well, can't worry. King came from the Bible, came from the story of David. Hmm. And, uh, because David was a warrior King, uh, is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Uh, and I like the fact that, you know, in the story that he's not perfect, right. Hmm. But he had a, but he had a, a zeal and a love for God. And, and I believe that that right there is, is very important. It's really a reflection of a lot of, a lot of us where, you know, we're, we're not, we're not, we're not perfect people, right? We have all these things to to do, but we have, you know, a love for God or a, or a love for something, somebody, right? And, um, but I like that concept. That's where that came from. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, another question I had, <laughs> you talked about your programs go up to age of 15. Right. For camp. Is there, what's the reason? Oh, camp. So what's the reason for that? Uh, the state. <laughs> yeah, the, the state. So the state of Georgia says that we can serve as children ages five to fifteen. Uh, and so for summer camp, we serve as children ages five to fifteen. For uh, the youth conferences and things like that, we can go up to you know all the way up to seventeen, all the way up until they're adults. And once they get to eighteen, then you know we work with them on you know just per- just personal development at that point. So not, I was thinking it was because they could drive. They they would not be there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't. <laughs> they, they wouldn't. You know, and he'd be and interesting enough, you know, like this past year, our largest group of kids were our middle school kids, our teenagers, that yeah. 12 to 15 age group was the largest group that we had. And, you know, because the parents didn't want to leave their kids at home because yeah. now. Right. See, what we didn't have that they have now is you have Lyft, you have Uber. Oh, right. Yeah. You have all these different elements. Right. They didn't want their kids to stay at home by themselves. Some of them, they want the kids to be busy and have something to do as opposed to just being in the house. Right. Oh, that's such a good point. Yeah. So I'm circling back with this question a bit because I wasn't this specific earlier. I know a lot of adults who would say that some version of I'll worry about my dreams when I figure out today (laughs) how to get through today. And I think that's not a small percentage of people that are focused that way. And some of it's based upon what's well, all based upon their reality. Right. Um, and I'm not here to suggest that people don't have legitimate survival needs, but I think I've seen so many adults that are way beyond what I would consider survival mode, but that's their mindset. Dreams are something for kids. Right. My guess is some of your kids think that too. How do you address that basic mindset? For a kid, uh, well, first of all, you know, they're, they're too young to know the difference, <laughs> uh, one, but, but the, what I teach them is that, you know, your dream is your reality, right? Your dream is what gets you through your day, right? So if you say, well, I'll, I'll work on my dreams later, uh, you know, it's kind of kind of an untruth because every day you're working on some dream, you're working on some goal every single day. Now, whether it's something that you want to do or not, you're working on something. For example, you have a dream to pay your bills every single month. You're going to be out on the street. Right. So that's a that's a dream. It's not the dream, but it's a dream. And so it's much better to focus on what it is that you truly want, because that's where your happiness comes from. That's what makes life fun, as opposed to, you know, kind of just putting those dreams off. The, you know, a lot of times what we find, especially with adults, is that, you know, our dreams shrink down to the level of our income. So they just stop believing it's possible. 
And as an adult, you get so bogged down with the day to day that it's like, man, I don't have time to think about this hamburger business I wanted to open up. I got to make sure I can pay rent next month. When as in reality, thinking about that hamburger business is what's going to drive you to pay the rent the next month to be able to get to the next level where you want to be. It's more about it's more about happiness than it is the money part. Well, I love this, SF. I love that you're doing this work. I love the foundations. I love everything about it. And I I truly believe it it is so vital because we've got, you know, this issue, all the things you've talked about are not just kids, it's adults as well. And I love what you said, plant the seeds. Plant the seeds, seeds and plant the seeds of a servant heart. So good. That's right. That's right. Um so we always give our guests a chance to highlight or promote something. And what is that for you, SF? Uh, for me, it's going to be the youth magazine. Uh, you can have it all. Youth magazine is a motivational magazine designed to get kids to go after their dreams. Uh, this issue, we have uh, Cameron Shells and Cameron Shells. Uh, he actually uh, he's the CEO of Dragonfly Drones. And he's actually his, he created the first company that uh, created the cloud system that we use today. Uh, he also uh, had a company that put the first cameras on the International Space Station. And mm. we had an opportunity to interview him. One of the kids did, actually. Uh, one of our students uh, got to interview him, and we got to put that in a magazine. It was super fun uh, to hear about all the things they're doing and just drone technology and how it's going to impact the world. They created the first drone that actually saved a human life. And so all that's in the in, the, in this issue. But the magazine is the only one of its kind that we've seen that that's designed to motivate children around the world. And so, you know, I, that's what I would say people should check out. It's really cool. Love it. Love it. SF. So what's the best way for people to connect with you? The best way is, well, they can call me or they can get on Instagram. <laughs> so right. my, my Instagram is SF dreams big. That's my, Insta- uh, yeah, that's my Instagram handle. And, uh, you know, they, of course they can email me and go onto the website where you can have it all. The website is Y C H I A M A G.com. That stands for, you can have it all magazine. Well, we will share all that. So we always wrap up with a couple questions. Awesome. And my two for you SF, the first one is you've shared so much today, but what's that key piece of wisdom for I'm going to shift it up a little bit. The key piece of wisdom today for parents to empower their kids. To the, the quote that I, or just to gas the dream, right? To add fuel to their dream, whatever it is on whatever level, gas that dream. If your child says, I want to be a firefighter. Awesome. We're going to go check out firefighters. We're going to paint a wall red in your room. We're going to get you a fireman's hat. We're going to get some fireman boots. And when they say, okay, well, I don't want to be a fireman anymore. And now I want to be Spider-Man, right? Or I want to be Wonder Woman. Okay, we're going to go get you a lasso, Wonder Woman. We're going to go do, right? It is, it support their dream. Support their dream, whatever it is, no matter how crazy it is, no matter how often they change, right? Within budget, and of course, within reason, but support whatever their dream is. Because by supporting their dream, it gives them confidence in their ideas, right? You want to do this? I believe in you. I believe you can do it. Let's do it. Because they need and want the support and belief of their parents more than anything else. And that voice of the parent becomes the voice in their head mm-hmm. as they get older. Because one day they won't have their parents around telling them that stuff, right? But they'll remember, man, man, I remember my dad then or my mom when I wanted to be a firefighter. I remember that day she came home 
and the fireman's hat was on my table. Right. I remember them <laughs> believing in me and that, and that makes a difference. Yeah. yeah right on. Gas the I dream. Fuel it. Yeah. Fuel Gas the dream. Gas the dream. Gas it. I had and a mom like second. that. Just constant support. Yeah. Wow. That's uh, <clears throat> that reminds me, my mother passed away about three years ago, almost four now. And, my oldest son spoke at her funeral. He spoke about the way she encouraged him with a single phrase, no matter what he said, her comment was, well, why not? Mm, <laughs> I like it. And that's yeah. what he talked about. He said, and I didn't even know that, but he told it, talked at her funeral. It huh. was very inspiring actually of how his grandmother, yeah. no matter what idea he said, well, why not? Why not? I yeah. think I want to go to California. <laughs> well, why not? I like it. <laughs> I like though. it. I like it. I like that. So we're going to wrap up with one of our fun questions. Uh, let's talk about movies, movies okay. or television. What comes to mind for you that speaks, whether it's a movie, a character, or a scene that speaks to you about, um, I'm going to say, possibilities for youth? For youth? For, for youth. Possibilities for youth. A movie. Uh, possibilities for youth. Now, off the top of my head, what hit me was Lean On Me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah. what, what just came out when you said for youth was lean on me um yeah that, that would be one for youth yeah that's a great movie. right on yeah. awesome well sf thank you for being here thanks for your sharing and as we say regularly most important thanks for the work you're doing because it makes yeah. a difference absolutely thank you so much yeah thank, thank you. you thank you man thank both of you i appreciate it thank you for having me it's fun yes if you enjoyed this episode, please go to your favorite podcasting app, rate us, give us some comments, share some love. It helps us to get our message out to more people. Thank you so much. If you enjoy the Leadership Junkies podcast and you want to grow your leadership, we have a new course for you called Become a Confident Leader. In this course, we will share some of the keys to becoming more confident in your leadership and also to become more impactful. Go to cartavera.com confident to find out more. See you on the inside. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.